Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on the Sunday, October the 16th, 2022. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, I am going to talk about the phrase, so you want to be in fitness. Uh, Over the last probably three weeks here, I have answered, I would say, probably 10 different individuals who have inquired about just uh, entrepreneurship, uh, running their own business, working for themselves, a lot of them specifically in the, I guess, at this point, would you call it health, fitness, uh, nutrition, kind of wellness space. And I'm going to give my um, my quick two cents on that. I'm going to answer a bunch of questions that you guys had shot in. So even if you're not somebody who ever wants to work in fitness or be in this space in a you know non-consumer capacity i do think you guys can get a lot out of this especially if you have ever worked in a small business you've ever been part of something that's not a giant corporation i'm not talking about like a wells fargo here or an amazon these are these are monsters i'm talking about little guys like myself Probably where you get your haircut, probably your coffee shop, probably one of your favorite restaurants. I'm assuming it's not a chain. You're going to have a better understanding of what these people go through, what their mentality is, uh, what they put into it. And uh, maybe it's the path for you, maybe it's not. And again, this can go if it's your husband or wife, your cousin, your brother, your kids. You can maybe share this with them and it can speak to them in a way where if you've never lived through it, maybe you know, you don't know the ins and outs of, of everything. And then I'll obviously I'll, I'll talk about it specifically in my case, what I've seen in health and fitness and myself, uh, and also my friends and, and a lot of my colleagues at this point, because we're all, you know, we're all in the same boat, but not really. Like we all have individual boats. Some of us got yachts. Some of us, you know, have, have fishing boats. It's all a little bit different, but we're all trying to kind of navigate the waters as best we can. So that's today's episode, but before I jump in, real quick, reminder of the Jeremy Scott Fitness app. If you guys want to check it out, you get a week, 100% for free. JeremyScottFitness.app, free seven-day trial. Try it for a week, see if you like it. If you think it sucks, no harm, no foul. If you dig it, ride with us. I share all my personal weekly workouts in there. You guys just get them a week later, so I actually go through them myself. I'm a practitioner. I tend to lead from the front. I show everything, I do everything, and then I give it to you guys. And so you're always going to get it each week. It'll always be updated every Sunday night. We have full programs in there, uh, at-home programs with just dumbbells, uh, at-home Metcom programs, hotel programs, loading programs, everything under the sun, strength and stamina just got loaded in there. There's a cut and jack program. There's a 10 weeks to ripped in there. All of our transformations now are going to be popping in there. We have one more transformation coming. I believe it's November the 14th. That's our 30 for 30, which that is a pretty badass program. So I'm excited about that. So if you guys want to check it out, <clears throat> the link is in the show notes, uh, jeremyscottfitness.app, free seven-day trial. See if you dig it, and then just ride with us from there if it's your thing. Again, quick note off that, uh, I've been doing a ton of calls lately. Uh, we do have uh, a service where if you guys for some reason want to talk to me, uh, and hear my opinion on things uh, beyond this, you can do that. I'll put the uh, the link in the show notes if you ever want to schedule a call and just chat, whether it's about macros for you guys, whether it's you know your personal programming, if you have a question on mobility, if it is a uh, fitness business related question or just a, a basic personal uh, budgeting question. I think I've kind of mastered that area uh, of my life. I'm happy to share it with you guys. Or if you just want to call and talk about you know 90s hip hop or you know, your, your top 10 movies. I don't give a shit. I'm happy to do uh, whatever works best for you guys. But the point of the calls are to provide you with as much value as we can. I speak with a lot of young fitness professionals, a lot of business owners in there, and then just people in general who want uh, a more nuanced approach and just have some specific questions. We can answer them on these calls. We decided to offer that as a service just because it's been a it's been a lot of requests, and so we're trying to help you guys out the best way that we can. We typically do the calls in 30-minute blocks, and uh, there's a schedule available if you want to do that. And real quick before we jump in, we're brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. You guys already know the one thing I take every single day and I never miss. If you want to try Athletic Greens, go to the site, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. We'll give you a year's supply of vitamin D and five for travel packs with your first order. Well, Jeremy, why do you take this? Well, because there's 75 whole food ingredients in there. 
probiotics, digestive enzymes, and the antioxidant equivalent to 10 to 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. So when I travel, like I was just on the road on Friday and Saturday, take Athletic Greens, rip it, put it in water, and I'm good to go. If you want to try it 100% for free, send us a message, reach out to us any way you can, Instagram, Facebook, email, doesn't matter, and we will send a pack right to your front door 100% for free. Monica will box it up, ship it to you. You can try it, see if you like it, and then get hooked up with all the free stuff from there. Nobody else is doing that. I've not heard of one other podcast or one other social media person sending out free samples, but we are doing that. So hit us up. We'll send you the packs for free. Try them, see if you like them, and then get hooked up with the free stuff from there. All the info's in the show notes, and just let me know. And last but not least, our friends over at Beam CBD. The site is beamtlc.com. This, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to cough a little bit intermittently here. I'm sorry, you guys. We just did our Sunday events Metcon, and it was absolutely terrible today, like most days. And I got a little, uh, we call it the bird flu, but it's uh, the Metcon cough going on here. Uh, I take the dream product from Beam most nights to go to sleep. It's natural. It's not habit forming. You don't wake up feeling groggy. It just helps me get to sleep and more importantly, stay asleep, which is the key. So if you want to try it, beamtlc.com, you can put in the code Jeremy Scott. We'll get you, I believe, 20% off all products, 35% off all subscriptions. That's a smoking deal either way. But if you want to try it for free, message me, and we'll send you a couple packs. I think we still have probably 10 packs here in office. We had a couple hundred before. We've shipped them out to all of you guys. A lot of you enjoyed it. You've picked it up, which is awesome, so thank you. Uh, but they don't just have that on the site. They have a bunch of oils salves balms you can check it out beamtlc.com you can put in the code jeremy scott otherwise hit us up for the free samples today all of our other podcast sponsors are in the show notes our friends at drive farm wines uh sleeve sold separately jlab pro where i get my protein turmeric collagen and curl oils we have discount codes for most of those always if you guys want to check them out and then our friends at kettle and fire bone broth so show notes peep it and you guys can get down with that today now, uh, I do want to give a quick shout out here to my man Jeff over at uh, Trevor's. Now, if you guys are local here in the Scottsdale, Phoenix area, Trevor's is, I don't even know how to describe it. I should have asked him before I start rambling on this podcast. It's kind of like a liquor store, but kind of like a bar and kind of like a tasting room. And they have an outdoor patio area. They have an inside space. And this is not me uh, promoting alcohol here and telling you guys to go there and drink booze. However, I'm a realist as well. You guys aren't going to listen to me. Only so far. If I said, hey, never drink alcohol again or never eat chocolate again, you'd be like, fuck you. You turn this podcast off. You're going to do what you're going to do. Obviously, do it responsibly. But if you are in the Scottsdale Phoenix area, the Trevor's is by far the most badass spot that I've seen. Uh, Jeff is actually a, a client here. Uh, I never ask for requests and, and for certain things, but they get access to certain stuff there. And I was able to uh, to stumble on a, a bottle, if you guys are, are whiskey fans, a bottle of Blanton's, which I've never seen anywhere and never found anywhere. I was able to, uh, to get it. It's like a unicorn. I was able to score a rare bottle of that for the collection. And oddly enough, they also had a bottle of the uh, Lagavulin, the Nick Offerman uh, edition, which for you guys who don't know, Nick Offerman is Ron Swanson. And it actually has his picture on the bottle and on the box. So it's pretty epic. So uh, I just want to give a shout out to Trevor's because it is the best place. So if you guys are ever looking for uh, gifts for friends and family, if you want anything that's beyond just the normal stuff you find at the grocery store, whether you're into beer or wine, or tequilas, or whiskeys, uh, scotches, bourbons, all the things. They have the most extensive badass collection I have ever seen. The place is immaculate. It's super nice. We have neighbors who go there just to hang out uh, on the patio and just kick it. So thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it, dude. And uh, at some point, I'm going to open that bottle of Blanton's up, and uh, that'd be the closest I probably get to John Wick uh, in this life. So there we are. So you want to be in fitness. And maybe you want to work for yourself. Maybe you want to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to answer, uh, I believe I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine total questions here real quick. And then at the very end, I'm just going to touch on and talk about essentially just some harsh truths. Harsh? Is that the word? Harsh. 
harsh truths about just running a business. And I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven total little things from there that I think anybody who is thinking about jumping into this life obviously needs to hear. And off the top, a lot of these real quick are going to come from people who are asking me personally what, um, why I still do what I do here, why we continue to put out the content we put out, why we continue to coach the way that we do and kind of work in the space. So the first question, what motivates me to keep going at such a high level after all these years? And see, this is what I'm, when I, when I say like I'm an old person, I, I phrase it this way because these young kids send me a message like I've been doing this for, you know, 20 centuries. And uh, it makes you feel old when you read it this way. But the reality is, I, I kind of already feel like I'm retired some days. And then some days I feel like I'm working myself to death. And I know that's, you know, a complete 180, but it's just the truth. I um, I continue to do this the way that I do it because I do really give a shit about the people. I don't know how else to say it. Like there's, that's really the most simplistic answer I can give. And I, I think people sometimes think I just say that to say it. I don't. The only reason Heather and I probably still live in Scottsdale and I still come here seven days a week when I'm in town is because of the community and the people. It really is. It's the one thing that keeps me moving forward. A secondary thing, I do feel like I've been given a certain amount of gifts and if I didn't give them back to at least the best of my ability, I'd be kind of shitting on a gift. And I can't believe I would, I would be put here on this earth and given these gifts and talents and, and you know, this brain is as fucked up as it is and this body to interpret information, learn information and give it back to people. If I just did all of this to enrich my own life, I have to feel like if, if you believe in God or the universe or source energy or unicorn tears or whatever your thing is, if I got to the end of my life and, and you know, you're, you're answering questions, if you believe in that, you'd be like, Hey man, I, I put you on this earth to do all these awesome things. And you, you basically just, you know, were a selfish prick and you bought yourself, you know, two Lamborghinis and, and stayed at the Ritz Carlton, you know, 45 nights a year. You didn't really fucking help anybody. And I'm not saying that's wrong if that's what you choose to do with your gifts and talents. But for me, for some reason, morally, that would feel wrong to me to do that. And I'm not against enriching my own life and buying nice stuff. I'm not a, you know, I don't mean this negatively. I'm not a David Jack. Like I give, I give a lot of myself. I give as much as I I fucking can, but I got to take a little bit. I feel like he doesn't take it all. That's so that's a, that's a fault of his. He should be taking way more because he's way more talented and powerful than I am. But the point is, is that I keep doing this this way because I do love the community and I do love the people. And I feel if I didn't have at least part of that in my life, it'd be a sad uh, existence. When I think of myself like, okay, well, if I just moved here, like, let's say I moved somewhere other than Scottsdale, because uh, a million bucks will get me way more than it, than it gets me here. Two million bucks gets me more than it gets me here. And I have this awesome place. I got 10 acres. I'm, you know, fucking ripped from Yellowstone, but I don't have any friends around. As awesome as Heather is, I think she get gets sick of me pretty quick and, and vice versa. And also there'd be something missing. The community aspect of it uh, wouldn't be there for me. So a lot of the reason I, I still keep this going this way is because I, I enjoy it. And I like the people. And honestly, <clears throat> there's some weird part of me that feels guilty sometimes when I can't be at most of the groups. But it's just, it's grown too much. And there's too many moving pieces for me to to be coaching all the groups on, you know, Wednesday morning and Friday morning and being here at the evenings. And it sucks because I do really like that stuff. The problem is the things I do behind the scenes make way more money and allow this machine to run the way it does so I can be so generous and, and give away t-shirts and uh, give away products and ship you guys stuff for free and just scholarship people who maybe can't afford it. And I can, you know, do the, the breast cancer donation we're doing now and pump thousands of dollars into it with all our people and community. Like there's a lot of power in that. And I don't want that to, uh, to go away. Uh, not yet anyway. And I think Heather would, would echo the same thing if she was here because it's become such a huge part of her life and what what she does and what I do and what we do together. And so many of our close friends um, have come from this place. Uh, if I didn't do this for a living, I, some of Heather's best friends wouldn't exist. And some of the best relationships I've built wouldn't exist. And I wouldn't be nearly this smart. 
uh, if I wasn't surrounded by these people because they do so many different things and I learn so much from them just by listening and observing. And then obviously uh, I ask the questions I ask and it's just, it's a great community of people and I don't know if I could ever replicate that anywhere else. So that's probably one of the biggest things. And honestly, I just feel like if I feel good most days and I can share something, if I can share a workout or share a funny video or give you some tips, uh, I'm going to keep doing it. You know, I'm, I'm an apple tree. I'm here to produce apples. If I don't produce the apples, what, what the fuck am I even doing here? Number two, uh, what do I like more, group or, or private training? Honestly, I like them both. Uh, they're both different. If you're talking time for money and that's your business model, do the groups. Obviously, you're going to make way more money. Uh, even at a, at a lower price point, you just you can't compete. Uh, I don't think unless you're charging, you know, 500 bucks uh, an hour to train somebody or more. Uh, the groups are going to be more lucrative. Small group training, semi-private training, uh, large group training. I like it all. I'm a fan of everything. It's just you, you got to find your audience. The one thing I will say with uh, the private one-on-one training, it's a, for me personally at this point in my career, it's a, it's a terrible use of my time financially for sure. I, I like everybody that we PT. They're all cool. They're all different. They're all unique. It's draining for sure to have if on a, let's say like what day, like on a, I basically only train people, you know, two days a week for the most part. I have a little bit uh, Monday and Wednesday, just kind of spaced in people that I've had for a long period of time. But most of it, I just do Tuesday and Thursday. This is me. And I basically just do the morning and I'll do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about 10, 10 people from, you know, sick after we do one group, which I do. And then about 10 people after that, that's kind of like my Tuesday and Thursday. And by the time you're done with the 10th person, you're a smoke show. Like your brain, my brain is trash. And then I got to go get my own workout in. So it is, it is exhausting, but I learn a lot. You build a really deep relationship and uh, it's something unique. I don't think a lot of people understand that when you're, if you're a coach and you're training somebody, even if it's in a group and you see that person three, five times a week, you're seeing that person spending more time with them than most of their family members, other than probably their wife or their husband you are a relationship that they have in their life. I, I joke here uh, with my dude, Jeremy Williams, who um, I don't want to share a bunch of personal information, but he's like, he was basically, he's, you know, he was, you're the longest relationship I've ever had in my life, you know, because he was married before and uh, he's been with me longer than he was with uh, his wife. And it's, it's, it's funny, uh, you know, I'm not saying divorce is funny, but, you know, it's comical that I've been this like anchor you know, and I've just always been here. And he's obviously like went from like being not fit to being a fucking Ironman. And now he's a psychopath. And it's an amazing transformation to see. But we've been this relationship in his life and not just me, but my wife as well. And a lot of the guys here, you, you create this camaraderie in this group. So there is a huge benefit to that. The community aspect of his group of group is great. It's powerful. Um, you can't replicate it one on one, you just can't match the energy. But with the one on one stuff, what I will say is you do spend a lot of time with that person. And you get to know them. And if you're like me, and you, you're a listener first, you learn a lot. And they're willing to share a lot of things with you that they wouldn't share with sometimes even their husband or wife, which is, you know, strange. And you become like this neutral kind of third party. And I don't want to say like a counselor, because that's not what we're trained to do. But they're going to lean on you for advice and at least just be like an ear to listen. And you create something in that where anybody I've ever done one-on-one -on -one training with for a long period of time. Like I'll never forget who they are. Obviously I could be 87 years old and be like, Oh yeah, there's Amy, you know, and she'd be, you know, 97 at the time or whatever it is. Like you'll, you're creating relationships. So I do like both. Um, but if you're talking just money wise for a lot of you guys, large group, small group and, and semi-private is probably the best way to go if it's a bang for your buck. But if you have a business like mine and you have the luxury to, uh, be able to do the one-on-one -on -one stuff because it just keeps you kind of sharp and fresh and you like the people that you have, then then do it. Number three, how many years did you teach group fitness before you owned a gym? How many did I teach group? Um, I don't think I taught any groups before I, I did this on my own. If I'm thinking clearly, Heather could correct me, I've been doing this since 2010, 100% on my own. I got my first cert in 2005. So it was five years of basically doing online stuff, really primitive at that point, and then doing one-on-one -on -one training with, you know, friends and, and people in your circle. And the first 
group thing I probably ever did was with Heather and like two or three girlfriends. So about a group of four, like my wife and three of her friends, and I would do it at the park. And that was probably as I was starting to uh, do our first groups in-house, which again was basically just starting with my wife and her friends. Which a lot of you guys, that's probably where your business would start to, <clears throat> especially if you do it kind of grassroots style. So I don't know if it was any years, but I got my first cert in 05. I was 100% on my own, didn't work for anybody else, didn't get another main paycheck from anyone uh, starting in 2010. Hopefully that answers. Number four, in today's day and age, do you think it's wise as a business investment to open a gym? You know... This is a tough one, man. It, it depends. All these things depend on, you know, where you live and what your long-term goal is. And can you, are you leasing the space or do you own the space? Because I, I look at that completely two different ways here. Um, if you were just a person living in a major like city or anywhere that's relatively expensive for uh, rental property, it's going to be tough, dude. And I'm not, I don't want that to discourage anybody, but man, would I, if I was, you know, 27 today and I just moved to Scottsdale, I want to open up a gym and pay some landlord to rent a space on probably like a three or a five year. Um, and you're responsible for, you know, triple net probably, or uh, who would, what would they give you for TI stuff, tenant improvement shit? And no. I wouldn't want to do that because I think the rent would be too much. I don't know what it would cost um, someone to to rent out my the space we have here, but if I had a guess, this would be in the area of probably six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month every single month, just upfront cost, just to have the space here, and then obviously if you're paying triple net or you have your other operating costs like where you're going to pay for air conditioning and electricity and all your systems if it's like mind body or infusion soft you're probably looking at your 10 grand in the hole before you make a dollar and that it wouldn't seem fun uh, to me unless you're trying to build this you know monster thing where you are going to get hundreds of people to come in and pay you uh, memberships and you have some other uh, avenue stream so in that scenario, no, I don't think it'd be great. If you could get into a property where you own it and you're renting from yourself, that's probably the best case scenario because essentially you're the renter and you're paying down uh, the mortgage on the, the building if you can. And then eventually that becomes an asset that's going to appreciate over time. And you can either, like I said, rent it out to somebody else for, for eight to 10 grand a month, or you can just sell it for probably millions of dollars. That would be the best bet. That's, um, I'll talk about this in a second. That's the boat. I'm kind of sitting in now. Um, if you're starting today and what would you do? I would message all the mom and pop places in in your community, not the big box places, not the franchises, like the mom and pop shops, the, like the Jeremy Scott Fitnesses of the world, and reach out to them and see what, what they do there. Maybe they rent gym space to you. Maybe they have you be part of their team and you work under their umbrella, or maybe they let you do your online stuff while you, you know, bring your clients there. Or who, There's a million ways that it can be done. And I could talk through that uh, individually, but that's what I would say. Or if you can sublease a space from somebody, maybe there's a, a, a chiropractor, maybe there's a physical therapist, maybe there is a CrossFit box where you can just get um, on off hours or a couple hundred square feet of space. So it's not a, as big of a financial commitment uh, and investment for you guys. But that would be my two cents. I, I, I say that because I, again, I don't want to deter you, but I'm being completely honest. I would not want to in the environment today where the world is just, I don't mean to sound like an old person, but man, it's a shit show right now, dude. It, the inflation is through the roof. It's, it's over. They're telling you 8%. It's way over that. And I hate to, to you know, play Nostradamus here, but I think people are going to lose their jobs here coming up front. And things are expensive. And fitness is a luxury. And if you're not in an area where people are kind of immune to that, it's going to be tough, dude. And when you, when you're, we call it like your monthly nut, like when that monthly nut is so big, just to cover your operating expenses, 
it gets real tough, man. Uh, especially when you start to lose, like uh, you lose two clients here, you lose two clients here. Well, here goes 500 bucks. Here goes 800 bucks. You're like, well, fuck man, I need that money. And the landlords don't give a shit. They don't care. They want the, they want the money on the first or the 15th, whenever you got it set up, like they want, they don't care. And trust me, I know I used to lease a space for seven and a half years. I sweated my ass off in a warehouse, saving my money, eating shit. So I could get to this point. And they don't care, man. They don't want to help do things. They really don't want to fix things. You might get a good landlord, but I have not heard of people with a ton of awesome experiences that way. So it's a huge investment of your time. And what you're doing is if you do open up a gym or a facility, you're investing a lot of time, effort, energy, and money. And you're doing that to your partner too. So you're signing up your husband or wife for, you know, for, for a lot of great times for sure. But it's also like a prison sentence. I don't know. I don't know how it's the phrase. Like you're, you're, you're committing your partner to uh, not a life sentence. Heather probably has a life sentence with me, uh, unfortunately, but for a lot of you, it's, if it's, you know, a lease term, it's three to five years of your life and it's the total number. So if you're looking into doing that, understand what you're, what you need to make, what's going in, what's coming out, your basic P and L sheet, but understand what's the total amount of money you're going to pay. So in three years, if you're at five grand a month, you're looking at $180,000 plus all the other fees. So think of it that way. A lot of people would like, it's how people buy cars and shit now. They just look at, well, what's the monthly payment? It's just so stupid. Like, no, look what you're going to pay over the lifetime, dumbass. And the same thing with your house. Like, what's my monthly payment? Like, that's cool. But how much interest are you going to pay over time? Like, how much of this is going to bleed you out? And I'm not saying don't don't have a mortgage or don't have a car payment. I don't care what you guys choose to do. But look at the overall macro number. Because when I, this is, this is a true story. When I was leaving our old space, we were going around here with my boy, Mike D. Shout out to Mike D. Still helps me to this day. Um, it's going to probably have keys in my house soon as much as he's helping me. But my point is, is that we were driving around and there was a space I was, I, I liked literally down the street from here. And I was looking at it. And by the time the lease term was up, because at the time, Again, it depends on the market too. If if the landlords can be greedy, they'll be greedy, dude. These are businessmen. These guys aren't your friends. They're not fucking around. Like there's some people here where I'm at in the Scottsdale Air Park. Some of these dudes own like a million square feet of space. Like these are players. These these guys make real money and they're not going to budge and you're not going to flex on them. And I remember the space I looked at and I won't say the dude's name, but he wasn't going to budge. Dude. He wouldn't even paint the space. Like tenant TI stuff, it's tenant improvements. He wouldn't even paint the space. And the guy has painters on payroll. And I, I have people who would have painted it for free anyway, but he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna move on that. And by the time I it was only a five year lease, he wouldn't do a three. He was like, You gotta commit to five years. And by the time I looked at the five years, dude, it was over it was almost half a million bucks. I was looking at four hundred and some thousand dollars, what I would have paid him over the five years. Now obviously the business is profitable, so I'm gonna make money on that. But that's a huge fucking number to pay somebody in rent over over the five years, right? And so I just didn't feel right about it. And luckily, my boy Mike D and Josh were like, hey, man, this is not, let's look for something else. And lo and behold, we found a, a couple of places for sale and one that actually had adequate parking and <laughs> that I could buy in a great location. And so I kind of lucked out there. And if I look back on decisions in my life of like the top five smartest financial decisions I ever made. This is, this is in there. It's, I don't, I don't know if it's number one, but, uh, this is pretty close to the top. And so it, it, I'm in a different boat here. And I say it because I wouldn't want to, I don't know how to phrase it. I don't want to say be a slave to somebody else, but you know, you're at their mercy. You really are. Um, when you're leasing from someone and if you're going to go your own realm, open your own business, keep the monthly expenses as low as you can. That's the key. Have low overhead, at least when you start. And as it grows, you can build on it and you can add things and that's fine. But when you begin, you know, don't don't have your nose open, man. Like, like keep your monthly expenses low. And that goes for your personal expenses too. I could talk about this all day. Like live as cheap as you can, as long as you can. That's my advice for anybody. And when you get older, you can be fancy if you can afford to be fancy. But but don't be fancy before you can afford to be. You see people do this not even in business. They do this in their normal life. You see the attorney who just graduated law school. You see the doctor who just graduated medical school. And they got five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt. And they want to go out and buy, you know, a brand new hundred fifty thousand dollar car and buy a brand new house. I'm like, you're not rich yet. 
You're still broke, dude. You got the title and you just started making money, but you owe. Like you're broke as shit. So just live as cheap as you can, as long as you can. And understand like when you're growing a business, like what suits you best? Like, do you want to manage 10 people? Do you want to manage two people? Do you want to have, you know, a business that does a billion dollars a year? Does your business have to do $20 million a year? Are you okay if your business does $700,000 a year and you keep 500,000 of it? Is that cool? Or do you want to do 2 million in revenue, but you only pay yourself 200 because you have a bigger vision down the line? Those are questions you have to ask yourself. And how much are you willing to work? And I'll get to that in a second, but it's going to be a lot, a lot more than, than you're thinking today. Next question. What do you think is the best long-term sustainable business model for a fitness professional? You know, it depends on your personality type and uh, who you are and what you like. But I would say, you know, I'm a fan of, of diversification in, in a certain regard, but also go play to your strengths, dude. You know, I'm not telling you to do 10 different things if you can't do 10 different things, but I think being diversified and having a couple different revenue streams is obviously the key. And so my advice to anybody is train people in person. I'm a fan of that, especially when you're starting. That's how you learn. If you don't train anybody in person, you're going to suck on the internet. I don't care who you are. Like you can, you can message me right now. You're talking shit comments or whatever. Like, well, Jeremy, I got a thousand people online and they all love me. I'm like, that's cool, dude. You still suck. Um, that's not a knock, man. You just, you haven't spent the time with people enough. It's not nuanced enough. You can't really help a 46 year old guy with two kids who's super fucking stressed at his job. If you've never helped a 46 year old guy with two kids who's super stressed at his job, because you've never talked through it with him. You've never lived through it with him. You never seen him go from like good to bad, to awful, to coming back to good, to great. You have to walk through that. You can't really help a mom with four kids if you've never helped a mom with four kids and there's so many things you lose online, you don't get in person. Now, if you do it in person long enough, it translates online so much better. But again, I say the hybrid model is the best for most people, whether you do semi-private group, small group, large group, and then online, or if you just do online mostly, and you got a couple clients you train with uh, during the week, I think that's great too. But I do like the the hybrid model. Obviously, you're going to have to market and sell and do all the, the normal things. You're going to have to be on social media. I'm just sorry a little bit. If you don't need a huge business, I guess you don't have to be, but you're doing your people a huge disservice. If nothing else, just sharing basic tips is, is great. And it doesn't got to be how we do it um, and how a lot of people do it. I, I think it's it's just a lot, man. The, the social stuff, it is. Even for Heather and I, it's like, fuck, man. We gotta, how many more videos can we post? Um, but I know it helps you guys. So we're happy to do it, but it, it is a lot. So I say the, the hybrid model is the best model if you're going to do it. So have some, some online revenue for sure. Have some in-person revenue and then whatever other revenue streams you have. If you have sponsors, if you have affiliates, um, you know, you got to build an email list and there's a lot of things you have to do, but I, I think doing both is the best. It's, it's what I do. And obviously I'm biased, but I have friends. Uh, Alexia doesn't train anybody in person ever. Uh, I don't know if Hannah does at all anymore either. I'll have to ask. Uh, BJ, doesn't at all in person anymore, but he is taking now people, I think like on a one-on-one -on -one or smaller group basis, which he didn't do before. So that's a different revenue stream. And then he's going hard on YouTube. So he's going the YouTube route. I'm going the group route. So there, there's a, there's a million ways to skin the cap, but I do think keeping people in person, it keeps you humble for sure. It keeps you sharp and it keeps you better connected to humans. And there's a psychological uh, benefit and education you get that you're not going to get from the internet. But obviously, if I'm talking completely honest and money, and you, you want to make the most amount of money, be online, dude. If, if you're really good, and you can really deliver, you got a great product, and you got a bunch of people who really fucking love you, you're going to crush online because you can just reach way more people. You're, the, the impact, it's, it's so, you can scale it as big as you want if you're able to handle it. But even with that said, like I got thousands of people, thousands of people online, I still come in here and, you know, tomorrow I'll, I'll train uh, Charlie at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'll train Amy at 11 after I do five of our groups. Because even if, you know, I'm going to be tired of shit when I get in here tomorrow, um, I get something from that. And so that's the hybrid model, if you will. Number six, do you recommend trainers create their own merchandise? Uh, if you if you want to, for sure. Uh, if you can handle it. Um, we make our own t-shirts here and our own hats here and a bunch of uh, other little things. And we give away 
uh, these things for free all the time. We could sell them at scale for sure. I just have been too lazy, if I'm being honest, and it, it's a it's a huge pain in the ass, and I don't really want to deal with it. So we do it that way. But I do think you should, you know, that should fit your your sales and your marketing and your branding. I do think it is important for people to wear your stuff and you know do things that that speak to you and resonate with you. Like you don't have to copy anybody else, but I think I just make T-shirts that have sayings on them that resonate to me and mean something to me, and then I put my my logo on it somewhere or my website on it somewhere. And that's what I do. Um, sometimes we'll just put our JSF logo in a saying, like one I got on today is, is be a good person uh, in real life, not just social media. And on the back, it's just Jeremy Scott Fitness. So I do think that's key because it, it's a conversation starter. Um, we do these shirts a lot of times because it, it helps people put them in a better mood or sparks a thought in their mind or, or gets them to stare at you and read something. And then they'll look at you like, who is this lunatic? But uh, it, it does draw attention to the business. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of that for sure. Number seven, what's my big picture plans? Will I keep teaching group fitness when I'm 50 and 60 years old? Or do you think I'll transition into something else? You know, <clears throat> it's a million dollar question. Uh, when I'm 60, I don't think so. I think if at 60, I'm still doing this the same way I'm doing it. I don't know if I would make it this far because I think Heather would murder me and she would be a Dateline episode for you guys to watch. And Lester Holt and uh, Keith Morrison will be doing the, the narrating and, and walking it through how she murdered her insane fitness husband uh, at 60 years old. So, no, I don't think 60. I don't know, man. I'm 39 today. I like a lot of what I do. Um, there's certain aspects of it I don't want to give up. A lot of the dudes who come in here on Sundays and crush it are in their 50s. And maybe if, if they get... They're too old and they don't want to do it anymore. And this is just done. I'll just it'll just naturally phase out, and uh, maybe that's the route it would go. But who knows? I think even if I was sixty and I had friends who are, you know, I think at sixty, you know, knock on wood, guy willing, I can still crush people. So I would like to maybe do something still. Maybe not the same way, like waking up at five o'clock in the morning and coming and doing the group that way. But I, my hope is that either here. Or if at that point, like I'm just, I rent this out to somebody and they're paying me, you know, 10,000 bucks a month to sit at home on my ass. I, uh, I create a, some type of, you know, super sexy backyard garage scenario where I can get a group of about 10 people in there and, uh, and murder it. But I don't know, at 39, I'm still doing it and I don't mind. Um, I always used to joke, you know, established at 35, retire by 40. And I know today if I hung it up when I turned 40 and just did the internet and the podcast and all the things, I'd still be missing a huge community aspect of it and part of my life. So I'll keep it going. I don't know how long. At some at some point, I will I will transition. It'll just depend on my, my personal life and what I'm feeling and thinking and what I want to do uh, at that point. Number eight, how do you program at scale? What is your system for progressions? Real quick, how we program here in our groups, you guys. Um, everything is based off of the, the foundational movements. A majority of what we do is non-barrier uh, entry exercises, so things that almost anybody can do. Um, and everything is scalable. Everything is progression, regression based. It's all based off of a push, a pull, a hip dominant, a quad dominant, a trunk, and a total body. Now, it doesn't matter if it's a vertical press or a horizontal press. That's kind of how we birth everything. Eem. Most of the time, we try to work in overall in the training, two pushes to every pull. It's not always possible in a group setting, but we do our best here uh, to get people to kind of pull more than they push, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And how we do it is there's no one exercise anybody has to do. So there's always a modification, there's always a substitute, and there's always a regression. And a, a super simple example I would give you guys would be is uh, we do these uh, plate deficit reverse lunges. So you stand on a 45 pound plate, the thick bumper plates, and you guys do a reverse lunge pattern. That would be, let's say level three. Uh, level two would be you'd move them down to the floor. So you take away the plate, so it's less range of motion, and they're doing reverse lunges obviously on the floor. The level one version would be you stick them up against a wall or you give them a foam roller for stability and they can brace their hands, they can alleviate body weight and they can step into the reverse lunge from there. If I wanted to go level four and go up, I could give them dumbbells or a sandbag 
and they could do the reverse lunges from the plate with load. Now, if I want to make it even worse, they could go single leg version. So instead of alternating the steps, they could just do single leg steps until that leg is fatigued and then go to the other leg. So compl almost complete failure or, you know, at least exhaustion and then rotating through. So that's basically five levels of one movement. And we can do that for every single movement in here. Now, if somebody's like, well, I just can't do reverse lunges because who knows the issue? Typically, it'd be with a forward lunge, but let's just say it's a reverse lunge. Can you do a squat? Is it a bodyweight squat? Is it a bench squat? Is it a box squat? Is it a goblet squat loaded? Is it kettlebell loaded from the bottom? There's a million ways we can do that. So that's how we do everything. So we base it off those six foundational movements. We do the, the, the easy to teach exercises. And then in a day where there's something more complex, we'll typically only do one complex pattern and everything else is obviously a little bit easier. So if we're going to do something like, um, you know, landmine RDLs, I'm not going to put that next to, you know, Turkish getups. It's just, it's too much. If I have eight people doing deadlifts and eight people trying to do getups and it's just one of me coaching, there, there's no way I'm not good enough to handle it all. So we got to do, we have to break it up and how we operate is off of the lowest standpoint. So what's the base level move and how do we regress it by one or two steps to make it easier for everybody? And then if it's, this is the base level, how do we progress it to make it a little bit harder? And we do that for all of our programs and all of our coaches know and they've been here long enough to see it. Number nine, what are some effective strategies for building social media presence? You know, this is an answer no one's going to like, but uh, just post every day and just post stuff that helps people and post things that are awesome uh, every day and do that for 10 years and it'll grow. I, I don't know what else to tell you. I didn't start off, you know, trying to do things this way and I don't understand the algorithms and I don't understand why some videos do good and some videos do bad. And I really don't, it doesn't make any fucking sense to me because stuff I think is great will suck sometimes and stuff I think is stupid, uh, does really well. Uh, I think you're sharing things that help people, whether it's, you know, move better, feel better, look better. You can share things about your personal life and be comical. I just throw out what's, what's on my mind that day. Obviously we have a cadence in a program. We share the Sunday advanced Metcons. We share nutrition tips. We obviously, you know, promote the app and do different things. But every time we post something, I either try to make it be fun for them, educational for them, or, you know, maybe uh, humanize me a little bit and share something about my personality. Because at the end of the day, people buy you. That's what it is. Some people follow me on social media just because of the, of the workouts we share. Some people do it because they, they you know, think, oh, he's, he's not a complete dipshit. He kind of seems like an, a smart you know, dude, I would have a beer with and, you know, he's super fit. So fuck it. Let's follow him. I mean, I feel like that's a huge uh, percentage of the people who, who watch our stuff or listen to podcasts like this. So just share things that are not about you, uh, but more about them and then speaks to your audience and, and make that be most of your, your content. I'm not saying you can't there day I shared a picture of Heather and I um, in Flagstaff and like all the yellow leaves because she like loves autumn and fall. And I just captioned it leaves and trees and it's her and I. You know, because it looks pretty, it's aesthetically pleasing. I know people will like it and comment on it. And so there's, you kind of game the system a little bit that way. But most things we do here are not for me. I don't need to see myself exercise. I don't need to hear myself talk through these things. I already know these things. We're doing it to help everybody else. And so if you approach your social media and your emails and your podcasts and the videos you make trying to help others, I think you're going to do just fine. And real quick before we wrap up, the... This comes from a piece, I don't know where it came from originally. Um, it is gold, and it was just uh, kind of the harsh truths about running a business. And this goes for a fitness business just as much as it goes for a bakery, or if you're a financial advisor, or you're anybody doing things completely on your own, realtors, um, people who cut hair, you're the auto mechanic, you name it. We all feel this. The first one, you're always going to wish you had more free time. It just is. Yet when you have the free time, you'll probably just fill it with more work. That's been my experience. It's a, it's a gift and a curse, man, because in one way, it's, it's an amazing gift because you're motivated, you're driven, and you want to do something you want to produce, you want to create, you're helping people. You There's a sense of purpose from it. There's a sense of value from it. But you always be like, man, I wish I had more time to do this. But then when you do get the time to do it, you still tend to fill it with work stuff. So I don't have a fix for that. I'm not great with it. I do a lot of fun things um, outside of this, like with my wife that are not completely work related, but they're all 
for the most part, kind of connected to it. So you're always going to wish you had more free time. So if you work a nine to five and you want to quit your job to, uh, to have more free time, it's probably the worst mistake you'll ever make. You know, people joke, you know, I forget the saying, but it's, you know, I'd rather work. People will say like, you know, then you work 40 hours a week for someone else. And you think entrepreneurship is like this ultimate freedom. And it is in a lot of ways. And I love it. And I would, I wouldn't want it any other way, but you're also going to work a hundred hours for yourself. So you're probably going to work for most of you guys, 60, 70, 80, 90, a hundred hours a week for yourself. So you don't have to work 40 hours a week for someone else as the business grows. And, and as it, 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 shapes and morphs and turns into what you want it to be, you can probably get away with working 50 hours a week or 40 hours a week or whatever. So you don't have to work for someone else, but that's not going to happen right away. You have to earn the right to do that. You have to earn the right to, you know, pick the clients you want and, and say yes to things and no to things, but that doesn't happen right away. Number two, most people won't really understand what you do. Just get used to it, man. Like I don't even try anymore. It just is what it is. Like, um, I was at the dentist the other day and my dental office has like five different dentists. And so it's just a, a new dude coming in and he's like, you got to go back to work. And I'm like, ah, I just got to get online and do some stuff. He's like, Oh yeah. I'm like, he's like, what do you do? I'm like, uh, I run a fitness company. And he's like, Oh really? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, a lot of it's online. Like a lot of our revenue and a lot of the people we work with are online, a huge percentage compared to like our community here. He's like, how, how do you make money online? And I just sat there and I'm like, this fucking guy, um, bless his heart. But, I don't have time to explain that. So, and that's like one nuancing of like what we do here. And so no matter what you do, people aren't going to understand what you do. They're not going to grasp it. They'll probably think you're broke. They probably think you're an idiot and, uh, you know, you're, you're clinging to a hope and a dream and you're barely getting by. And whether that's true or not, who knows, but just get used to people not understanding what you have to commit and what you have to do and, and how you do it and why you do it. Because, you're on your own island, man. Like we're all, like I said earlier, we're all in a boat, but we're all in different boats and we all got to navigate the waters, you know, differently than each other. Number three, some clients and, and some customers are going to suck. No matter how hard you try to make them be great and try to make them be awesome and, and try to appease them. Some people just suck, dude. Just that's part of the game. Number four, there's always going to be somebody earning more money than you. There's always going to be somebody, quote unquote, doing better than you, um, has more followers than you, is more famous than you, is, you know, whatever you want to say, there's always going to be somebody doing more, having more, being better, or if nothing else, showing that they have more, showing that they do better, showing that they're way happier than you and have way more free time. And if you can't handle that, you're never going to feel good in this life and you're never going to feel like you're good enough and it's going to eat you alive, dude. We talk about this in our podcast. Comparison really is the thief of joy. You can't compare. And I'll touch on this super fast. Early on in, in my career, I would see people getting things that I, I thought I should have got and getting opportunities that I thought should be mine and getting more shine and getting more whatever. And uh, it's immaturity. It, it really is. And uh, obviously... I grew out of it and you realize one, you don't really know what other people are going through. You don't really know how happy they are, but more importantly, like you don't know how much work that person put in. You don't know. Maybe they should have the opportunity and you shouldn't. Maybe they did earn the fucking right to make that money or get that magazine cover or get that sponsorship or get those clients. And you didn't yet. And sometimes that's a hard truth to, to look in the mirror. It really is. And sometimes you're just not ready for the opportunity yet. Well, people are like, well, you know, hey, Jeremy, I want to do exactly what you do. I'm like, you're, you're number two in your business. I've been coaching since 05. I mean, think about that. It's 18 years. You're in year two. How do you deserve the stuff that I have? And the same goes for if it's like, let's say, Todd Durkin. And Todd's been doing this forever. Like, Todd should be getting stuff that I'm not getting. He's, he's earned the right. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes that's just it. So you can't keep looking at everybody else's life through rose-colored glasses and think that you deserve every opportunity and, and to be making the money that they make. And understand this. This is in life, everybody. Someone else's success does not steal from your success. Someone else's new car doesn't take away from the car you're driving. Someone else's new remodeled fancy house doesn't take away from the house that you bought and that you have. 
And just because they have it doesn't mean you can't have it. If you want it, you can go get it too. But their success doesn't take away from your success. It just doesn't. You know, you're not both playing in the NBA. It's not like you're competing in the finals and this person won and you lost. That's them winning and you losing. This is not what's going on here. So don't worry about people earning more, making more, look like they're doing better, having a bigger following or whatever it is. Just worry about you, bowl in your own lane, you'll be okay. Next one. At times, a regular 9 to 5 job is going to seem way more appealing. No matter how much you're making in your business, no matter how successful you are, sometimes you're going to see people who work a 9 to 5 who have way more free time. They have probably less stress at times. They probably have way better balance. They can play, you know, Call of Duty for 8 hours a night. They can join seven kickball leagues. They can watch every single series on Netflix and still go out and make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year at their nine to five and turn it off. No, again, I don't know how happy they are, but even if they are way happier than you, it'll look appealing to you because it's going to be less stress. It's going to be easier. However, if this is really who you are, you just got to push all that shit aside. And do I feel that way ever? I don't, but this is me and I'm a serial killer and I'm weird. However, I'll get to see the flexibility uh, Heather has at times that I don't have in certain ways, but I see everything in the macro. Like tomorrow morning, she's going to get on a flight. Uh, I believe she's going to Seattle for work. Zero percent of me envies her for that. Now, I'm sure it'll be fun. She gets to see her team and hang out and she'll be at a hotel, but she's fucking working for probably 10 hours straight in a conference room with hundreds of people. That seems like my saw game. You know what I'm telling you? Like saw, like when they drug the guys in and they wake up chained to like some bathroom and he's got to like saw his leg off to get out. That's like a saw game to me. It's like if you locked me in a room and you put on Hellboy and you played Nickelback and said, Jeremy, you got to cut your leg off to get out. I'd be like, shit, man. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't sound fun. So you have to know who you are. And sometimes owning your own business is for you. Sometimes entrepreneurship's for you. Sometimes you're meant to be a number one. But a lot of people would be better off being number 18 at a company. Or they work for a giant company. They're number 366. But they're happy with that. They make $96,000 a year. They get the weekends off. They get, you know, four weeks of paid vacation and health insurance and a 401k. And they can fuck around. And when the day's done, the day's done. And if something goes wrong, it's not on them. It's on their boss. It's on their boss's boss. It's on their boss's boss's boss. Take that for what it is. Number seven. 99% of the people you admire and you respect are just as insecure and unsure of themselves as everyone else. They're just way better at hiding it. This is true. 99% of the people that you guys listen to, that you watch and you respect are probably just as insecure and unsure of themselves as you are. They're just better at hiding it, and they're not willing to show it to the real world. And uh, you just have to take that for what it is and understand that nobody has life figured out. Nobody knows everything. We all self-question. I ask myself all the time, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And it's an internal struggle, especially with my time. Like, should I really be training this person right now? Should I be spending that to go see my friend? Should I be, you know, should I take a trip to go see my dad? Or should I, you know, make this project be done here? Should I not spend this Sunday morning with Heather and, and get on this podcast? Those are all questions you're going to you're ask yourself. So if you're following anybody and they always seem like they always have the right answer and everything's always great and it was only a struggle 15 years ago and now they got every answer to everything and it's always perfect, just know that that person's most likely full of shit. There's probably the one person out there who, who does have it all figured out and is, you know, they're, they're, they're Gandhi and they've got all the answers. But Lord knows I'm not that. And uh, I self-question a lot. Is this what I'm supposed to do with my life? I have the same probably insecurities as you guys or at least different ones. And uh, we, we all do things, you know, to bulletproof ourselves. And, and, and we all have a process just to get through the day. And I've seen this from the people who make millions of dollars a year to the people who make $40,000 a year. The habits might be different, but the insecurities and the things that they question oftentimes are, are not that far apart. And the last one I'll leave you guys with is there's never an end point. 
There really isn't. Uh, not in this life and not what you do. If you, if you love something and you're passionate about it, you're probably going to do it in some way, shape, or form for the rest of your life. At least that's that's kind of my goal. I'm always going to exercise. I'm always going to talk about fitness and being healthy in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I would love to always do something like a podcast or uh, create videos to help people or, or, or get small groups to come, you know, hang out with me in my man cave here or, or in my garage or whatever it is and just keep the community and keep that aspect going. And if it always produces revenue, that's great. It's just a nice way to kind of, you know, segue through life. But just know if you're if you're starting a business, most of you, unless you're getting these private equity companies to come make you these huge, you know, multi-million dollar offers, your retirement plan is probably just to die. Um, I don't mean that in a negative way, like you can save enough money to retire, obviously, but the business is going to die when you don't want to do it anymore. And I love our people here and they're all great. And our team of people here is awesome. But if I wasn't here as much as I was here and didn't put out all the stuff I put out and, and make the connections I make, this thing would fold like a lawn chair in about 30 days. It just would, because it takes so much fucking energy um, to make this thing go and, uh, and to understand that it's not about me, even though you know, a lot of people come here because of me, this is not about me. It's about them. And it's about all of you guys who listen. It's about all the people who buy our app. It's about everybody. It's about, it's a service business, especially here. And that's what fitness is. It's serving other people. It's helping them look better, move better and feel better. And there's a cascade effect that happens there that leaves the gym. And that's what your legacy is. And that's what gives your job purpose and meaning. And obviously they reward you with money and, and a bunch of other things, but that's it, you guys. That's kind of, uh, hopefully I helped answer the questions. I know this episode is probably not for a lot of you. If you, if you never want to be an entrepreneur, you never want to be in fitness, but if you have a, a coach where you're at in your local community and, uh, you go to a gym and it's, you know, you know, Rick Scott fitness or whatever, whatever it is, um, they probably care just as much as I do. I would hope they do. If if you if you enjoy going there and you like going there, I think they probably care just as much as me. We might not do the exact same things. They might not put out as much content and they might not, you know, work out like a lunatic, but they probably give a shit just as much as me. And that's that's what it comes down to. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to run your own business, you're going to care about this thing like it's a human. It's your dark passenger. It's never going to leave you. And you're going to care about it more than anybody else is ever going to care about it. You really will. Um, your husband and wife, it might be close. You get some really awesome team members. They might care about it a lot too, but you're going to give a shit more than anybody else will ever understand. And you have to if you want it to grow and to learn. Because every single day, everybody else is trying to basically run you out of business. You got to just keep pushing forward. So hopefully that helps you guys. If you have any questions on this or podcast requests, obviously hit me up. Again, if you guys want to check out the Jeremy Scuffinus app, free Seven-day trial, 100% for free, jeremyscottfitness.apps in the show notes. If you want a free sample of Athletic Greens, just ask. If you want a free sample of the Beam CBD, just ask. All their podcast sponsors are in the show notes. If you guys need to schedule a call with me on anything, macros, fitness, business, you name it, um, that's in the show notes too. You can schedule a call with me. We can talk about whatever your questions are specifically. Again, I've been doing those a lot with fitness professionals and business professionals lately who've been asking my advice about navigating this post kind of pandemic world in fitness, where, which route they should go, what they should do, and just basic uh, questions in general. And some people just want to chat fitness. So my plan here is to come back on the podcast on the, what day is it today? Today is the 16th. Man, this is tough. We are, we have a wedding to go to in Coronado. Uh, which is beautiful. Um, it's actually at the Hotel Dell. We're staying at the Marriott. Shout out to the Marriott. Thanks for the hookup. Um, but that's where we'll be next weekend. I'm going to try to hop on here later in the week for you guys if I can. Um, if nothing else, worst case scenario, I might do a quick drop on Sunday from the hotel. But my plan is to get Heather on the podcast on the 30th. And I know I've said this a couple of times. She's just been busy. She ran a 10K race yesterday and then it was completely just smoked. She got eighth of like, I think like a hundred women or something like that. And uh, she was dead in the car, took a picture of her asleep. But uh, I think I'm going to get her back on on the 30th is the plan. And we're, that's when I do her alcohol podcast. 
uh, the uh, 30-day alcohol experiment where she didn't drink at all. I actually think she made it 35 days, give or take. And we'll talk about the effects of alcohol, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, and everything that wrapped around it. Her experience, my experience uh, from being young to now, that's going to come out on the 30th, but I'm going to get to you guys something before that. Just uh, But if you got a request, hit me up. Otherwise, um, my guest schedule is really packed um, coming November, uh, December timeframe. So that's coming on the pipe for you guys. But again, if you like the podcast, drop us a five-star on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. If you're on Spotify, drop it a five-star, takes all of two seconds. And then obviously share it with a friend, family member, anybody who, you know, thinks about fitness, wants to be in fitness, maybe wants to run their own business. Hopefully this can help them. And if you're watching on YouTube as always, thank you guys. We appreciate you. And uh, I'll chat with you guys in a couple days here. So until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys, Keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.